Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. I'm your host, George Eric, and it's a bit of a different show this time. Rather than previewing certain races or race days or festivals, we are here previewing the whole national hunt season. This is the Horses to Follow podcast, and I've got two expert guests with me who are going to give us five of their horses to follow. First up, Odds Checker's very own uh, tipster and ever-present guest on these betting shows, Andy Holding. Thanks very much for joining us today, Andy. And also joined as well by Ed Quigley, freelance uh, writer, broadcaster, journalist all around racing. And the last time the three of us sat down and spoke, it was ahead of the Cheltenham November meeting. And I think you guys had a pretty good weekend. It didn't go too badly, did it? (laughs) Yeah, one or two high spots. Um, I thought it was tough going. I think we both got one thing right anyway for sure and that was the rain that was going to fall was going to make uh, life a little bit more difficult on the Saturday into Sunday and as it turned out it rather scuppered my uh, project in the Paddy Power Mr Fisher who I think we probably haven't seen the best of yeah I think he'd be better off better ground but uh, the Sunday meeting was a little bit trickier a bit unedifying and even put the kettle on my sort of champion chase uh, long-term pick was made to sort of struggle in that ground I think uh, bravery got her home um, so yeah, I, th- I think that that form for that that Cheltenham weekend, I, I think, could be a little bit less um, strong as it probably was would be in, in previous years. And Ed, you you live just a stone's throw away from the course. Were you standing on the roof trying to get a look as they were coming up the hill? <laughs> Not quite, but I have done before. It all depends on the time of the year. I can see the back of the stand. Uh, in the winter, the trees go bare. I can actually see through to the race course. But in the summer, yeah, it's kind of blocked off but no it was um it was a good weekend obviously uh, on the blind side I advised a double figure yes he won well uh he was quite well backed on the day looked his his old self off a kind of career low handicap mark if you like but uh a little bit like um Andy in, in the big one on the Saturday uh, Slate House ran absolutely deplorably I mean he was beaten after four fences so something clearly a miss there and wait, waiting to hear um a bulletin from the Tizar team but all in all it was good stuff but yeah the rains did arrive and uh, we say there could be a few meddling form lines going forward, but I've been saying this for the last three or four years, and we've had the same <laughs> ground in March as we've had in November, and the kind of form lines have held true to some extent. So, but nonetheless, it was exciting stuff, and um, yeah, uh, the, very quickly the two mile chase division. I'm actually starting to get really excited about now. Mm. We've put the kettle on. You've obviously got Altior, Politolog, Gra- Granatine all meeting uh, in ten days' time or two weeks' time at Sandown as well. So it's all really starting to bubble up in the uh, in the two mile showpiece event. Everything's starting to bubble away nicely in the national hunt season. And it's worth pointing out here as well that, you know, the, the, the horses you guys have picked out aren't necessarily the headline grabbers. These are horses that are on your radar to keep an eye on. But Andy, you know, for those people who've been reading your column on Odds Checker and, and have been backing certain horses anti-post, you know, the, the reason why you have we're not talking about those horses today is, is just because you've looked for, you know, not value necessarily, but maybe some horses that have gone under the radar that you haven't already spoken about. Well, well that's the the... the... The whole essence of this um, particular uh, list that I've drawn up, I could have easily gone for the ones I've already tipped and mentioned, you know, your side of Burleys, your Imperial, uh, sorry, Manella Indos, um, put the kettle on and stuff like that. All those are doing really well. They've won their first races. They're, they're on track for their respective targets at the end of the season. But I've tried to step outside the box and, and think of perhaps at least three or four emerging and up-and-coming stars among the ranks that, in all fairness, probably not too many UK punters would have even noticed uh, or, or heard of even. They've gone very much under the radar. So I am going to throw in a couple more that um, should give you a little bit of fun anyway throughout the winter. 
Well, we'll start with you, given that you've just said half the horse's name by mistake there. And we'll kick off with your first pick, which is uh, Imperial Aura uh, for Kim Bailey. Obviously, the winner of the handicap chase at Cheltenham in March and, and won on reappearance at Carlisle. Entered this weekend on Saturday for a very hot race at Ascot. So what is it about Imperial Aura that you see being um, so exciting and one to watch? I just think he's jumping. He's second to none. I've watched him a few times now and um, he's everything you want in a, in a national hunt horse, or particularly a chaser. Um, he hardly ever hesitates when he comes to a fence. He attacks it. I think he's got the perfect jockey to complement his uh, aggressive way of riding, i.e. David Bass from the front or likes to um, you know, race prominently. He doesn't have to lead. I mean, he didn't necessarily lead all the way at Cheltenham. Um, and he took his time on, on his debut at Carlisle, but if you, if you watch him sometimes on, on the side on shots, he, he was absolutely devastating. I mean, he take off outside the wings. He, he's very clever when he gets in short. I, I just like the way he's progressing. I, mean, I followed him last season all the way through to Charlton when he won the Close Brothers. And, you know, that form has, has stood the test, you know, with Galvin cranking it and several others down the line. Even Daily Tiger, I think it was um, 10th or 12th, uh, won a very competitive race at um, Punchestone over the weekend. So it's rock solid form. And, I'm quite glad he actually didn't end up running in the Paddy Power. Uh, I thought that was maybe the, the early season target when I was sort of following his um, his early season entries. Uh, he got entered in the race, but uh, as it turned out, I don't think he really would have been wanting a slog. I think Kim's done the right thing and look for these conditions races now. I think you mentioned he goes to Ascot Saturday and then may, maybe races like the Peterborough Chase, all gearing up to as it stands at the moment in, in and around that two and a half mile division, the, the Ryanair. I mean, things might change, you know. He, he might end up going down the Gold Cup route if, if he looks as though he's going to stay further or he gets beat over two and a half. But for now, I think he's definitely one I want to keep on side for all those two and a half mile condition races over in this country because uh, he usually will get a small field and he's jumping in the way he likes to be ridden. He's always going to make him very hard to beat in those races. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the the possible festival target, 16 to 1 for the Ryanair, 50 to 1 for the Gold Cup. I mean, it, it does look like a hot race, on Saturday, I mean, a very small field at the moment. Four are in Imperial Aura, Itchy Feet, Black Corton, and Real Steel. I mean, at this stage, what do you want to necessarily see from from these horses you're putting up? I mean, would you be too downhearted if Imperial Aura doesn't finish in front, or is it kind of a long term project and you just want to see a continued progression? I think you you know, I think you'd be favoured to beat those three. I haven't seen any is, better. Yeah. yeah, they're all you know, they're all respected. Real Steel's a good horse in his own right. Obviously, now changed stable, Itchy Feet. You know, we, we're waiting to see what he can do first first time back. And, uh, you know, these are good, good markers. They're good horses. You know, they're 150-rated horses. But I don't think they've got the scope or the, or the necessarily level of improvement uh, that uh, Imperial Aura has got. And I think he will make all the running or go very close to making all the running. Ask, I think the track will suit him fine. Um, and then, like I said, we'll, we'll see, what he's, see what he's made up this weekend. And then we'll take a view afterwards. But I, I wouldn't say I'd be amazed if he gets beat. Mm. Um, well, yeah, it would it would be certainly a bit, a bit of a disappointment given the high regard I hold him in. Well, Kim Bailey certainly a trainer in very very good form at the moment, and another trainer in form is Colin Tizard. And Ed, your first pick is Fiddler on the Roof. Indeed, uh, the angle I've kind of tried to come through here is uh, well, four of the five picks anyway are with the Channel Festival in mind mm. and the aim of being twenty to one or bigger, or some at least some horses at prices, shall we say? Yeah, yeah, of course. Who, have the scope to shorten significantly, uh, shall we say. And then I've picked one who's a handicap. I'll come on to later. Fridler on the roof. Um, I'm a bit shocked. He's still 33 to 1 
to win the Marsh chase, personally. Uh, a mm. little bit baffled, especially when you look at the uh, the tried and tested odds checker grid for the Marsh chase. And of the 30 horses ahead of him uh, on the grid, he's number 31 now. And I, I reckon there are only six who potentially line up in the contest. The other 24 are either confirmed by their trainers as staying over hurdles or already reappeared over hurdles. Or it's very mm. obvious they're going to totally different trips or... Uh, for example, Galvin is shorter, and I think Gordon Elliott said he's now going straight to National Hunt Chase, uh, for example. Uh, this horse was a great one winner as a novice hurdler. The wheels kind of came off in spectacular fashion, didn't they, in the Supreme, mm. when there were there were a few things that were wrong with it. A lot of the Colin Tizard horses were totally out of form uh, by the time the festival came along. Perhaps that horse had, was a little bit over the top as well. And I also just feel that two miles was on the sharp side for him. Uh, that, that was my kind of concerns beforehand. Um I think two and a half is definitely going to be his trip. And I, I was really impressed by the manner in which he, he jumped uh, would be the key point, I'd say. He was beaten on his comeback at Fostas by if the cat fits when he finished ahead of Emerton, but he jumped very well. And then again, extra last time out on ground, which would have been quick enough for him. I mean, I gather they were almost thinking about pulling him out. Uh, Robbie Powell said the ground's almost riding good. Uh, but he took his chance over two, three extra. And again, his jumping was wonderful. And he looked beaten by the Fergal O'Brien horse coming to the last. And yet he threw in another spectacular leap and knuckled down and kind of rallied back and got up on the line. Uh, the marsh chase would be another furlong, uh, hopefully a bit of cut in the ground, a bit more. And I, I just think he's on an upward curve. He's unexposed. And he's just looked really impressive at the moment. And uh, as I said, the... Obviously, you've got your likes of the Envoy Allens, etc. at the top, which kind of are going to suck in a lot of the market attractions you'd expect. But you start going through it and I start saying to people, well, who actually, out of all these horses that are priced up, do you actually see lining up in this gig? And uh, Colin Tizard said that they're going to aim for the Dipper as the next kind of big target, then the Silly Isles and then the Marsh Chase. They think in time he will get three miles. But uh, he's almost going to take that lost in translation route from a couple of years ago, isn't he, mm -hmm. really, with the, the sand down and then on to Charlton. But... I, I just am surprised he's as big as, as he is. His actual bare form is nothing spectacular yet over fences, but it's the potential I like combined with the price. And as I say, given he's a grade one winner as, as a novice hurdler, I just thought 33 to one still seems a bit bizarre considering he's, he's, he's jumped beautifully and he's the same price as he was before he, before he jumped to fence in public. So mm. that would be my angle with him. Would not shock me at all that if uh, he turns up with all four legs intact and uh, kind of continues his progression. He goes off a single-figure price in, what, three and a half, four months' time. And um, as I said, a little bit of softer ground. I think the dipper at Charlton, soft ground, would be absolutely tailor-made for him. So, yeah, as, if the Tizard team can have a good spring, uh, I wouldn't be too surprised if he was um, he was lining up as one of the protagonists for the, the two-and-a-half-mile showpiece event for the novices um, at the festival. Just a quick question uh, for Ed, actually, while, while, while I'm my mind out, George, if that's okay. Um, what what do you make of Fiddle on the Roof's performance um, in last year's Supreme? He was one of my main fancies. I must admit, I was absolutely devastated by how badly he run. Do you put that down to him perhaps being over the top by then, or was it just indicative of how Colin Tizard's ran in, in general terms at the festival? <clears throat> I think a combination of both, really. It, it, I mean, it was so bad. It was, you know, just put a line through. I was watching a replay of the Supreme the other night, and, I mean, he's... he's Beats him five out. I mean, Robbie yeah. Powell's getting it. I mean, it was so bad to be true, wasn't it? And the, yeah. I couldn't say the ground was an excuse because no. when he won the Tollworth and Gallic clear, the Robbie Powell got off, said he absolutely devoured the ground. So the Tizard team was, I mean, uh, I think I touched upon it the other day. In the RSA chase, he had the two highest rated novice yeah. chasers over three miles in the country in Copperhead and Slate House. And yeah. if um, Slate House had 
stayed up. He would have the last two finishes in the RSA chase, and yet he had the two highest rated horses. That was just a kind of, uh, you know, uh, the mantra, really, for the Tizard team at that festival. Whatever reason, just things did not fire. I mean, lost in translation was the only horse that ran any kind of race, really, wasn't he? Uh, mm. At least kind of troubled the judge. So, yeah, it was it was a very poor performance, and uh, that would worry to some extent, but I just, I'm happy. I'm a forgiving type. One bad run, I can forgive, um, <laughs> if you see what I'm saying. Uh, two bad runs, you do start the question, but it was so bad, I wouldn't take it on face value, is my view. And I just thought, he, he looks like a proper chaser. He clearly is enjoying fences, and I think two and a half, a bit of soft ground. And I, If he gets the race, he, I mean, he's going to be at least a quarter of the price he is now. Uh, and obviously, if he wins a dipper, he, he, he jumps right up there. So, yeah, 33 to 1, in all in all, I've, I've put my money down, and we'll, we'll see how far it goes. <laughs> Yeah, I'm yet to have an anti-post bet. I'm pretty quickly realising that because of being the host of this podcast, that is unlikely to be the case at the end of the day. Um, you made a good case there. And, and I guess the good thing is, you know, that 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 run, that run in the Supreme was too bad to be true. And even though, you know, the form of the last two runs isn't spectacular, it shows a kind of a return to some to some possible form, doesn't it, as well? A, a, a retention of that ability. And just, for, and just very quickly, in terms of the trip, because obviously since the Mars chase came along, uh, it's muddy the waters in terms of anti-post, but they keep banging out this, two, he's the two and a half miler, he's the two and a half miler. And I do kind of like that early season commitment. And I know plans can change, but given that they've got Eldorado Allen, uh, it appears to be his two-mile candidate, and I believe they've got Alexi Danutz, who was a decent hurdle, who's due to make his uh, two-mile novice chase uh, debut soon as well. It seems like they've got the two, the Tizards have got their two-mile kind of stock. And then it sounds like the big breakaway is going to go for the the Corto Star novices uh, on Boxing Day. So he almost looks their RSA kind of path. So given that they like to try and keep things split up, it looks the natural race for him as well when, when you start taking in trainer and owner politics. So I think he's a two and a half miler. And as I said, 33 to one, I, I firmly believe he's overpriced. Great stuff. Fiddle on the roof there, the first one for Ed. Uh, the next four for Andy, I've got them in front of me. And there's a very Irish theme to them. And, you know, Andy, the king of the novice hurdles, there are three, I think, we're going to be coming up to. But first of all, a horse that we last saw, the Ballymore, the big getaway for Willie Mullins, finished third behind Envoy Allen. Not seen since, and no entries as it stands at the moment, Andy. So the floor is yours. What um, What's getting you excited? I mean, that, obviously, that form behind Envoy Allen is pretty much as good form as you can really have. But... Where do we expect to see him next? Well, I was going to put Envoy Allen in this um, when I sent you my original list, uh, Jaws, and I thought, come on, Andy, you can do better than that. Um, <laughs> everyone in the world knows how good Envoy Allen is. You don't need me to sit out there and waste <laughs> five minutes of your podcast time. So I thought, well, I think outside the box and not go for the obvious. Um, I just really want to get with the Envoy Allen form in general. I mean, Envoy Allen clocked the fastest time I got at the whole festival last year. Furlong for Furlong, he was the best horse. He's just probably the best horse in training, isn't he? Pound for pound, I think if you're you, you know, using a, a boxing terminology. Um, he, he's just all class, and I don't expect him to be beaten over fences this season unless he falls or something goes wrong with him. But the form of that Ballymore um, hurdle leads me on to the, the big getaway. He was the one that ensured that that tempo is strong, and he was the one that ensured that Envoy Allen had to work really hard to win that Ballymore. He probably, mm-hmm. everyone's expecting to win stylishly on the briar, look on there and swoop up the hill. Yes, he did win impressively in the end, but it was only at the last, really, that he took uh, full control. And the big getaway, in the end, just faded on the running, but he went a hell of a gallop, and he made sure, like I say, that everything was pushed through the pain barrier. And we've seen the full workout re- well already. Envoy Allen is one bolted up. Easy work. Um, you know, one on his uh, chasing debut at, at Navan. I think it's his odds. Another one, the big 
the one that won at Chelsea Break, the other day. Big, big breakaway. Big mm. breakaway. I always get those two mixed up. He, yeah, he's yeah, won. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a stellar race, run at a fast time, and everything has won out of it so far. So I'm expecting the big getaway when he does make his chasing debut to win and win impressively. Now, obviously, Willie Mullins are going to have a, a whole embarrassment to riches in that particular department. He's already We've already seen a couple, um, you know, um, put down a mark I would expected one very easily at Tipperary and he's got one this afternoon that runs and runs in the first race at Thurlis which have all been muted as a possible um, RSA stroke um, good novice chasers um, going forward at the Cheltenham Festival but I think they haven't got as much scope as this fellow if you look at him he's an absolute giant of a horse um, and he went into that Ballymore very much last year under the radar in the sense he hadn't run any very I thought when I, I saw him at single figure price I thought I can't have this horse on my mind he's done no numbers whatsoever but that um, didn't stop him running a, a career best. And I think uh, that's kind of background uh, platform that he's got to build on going forward, um, you know, should should, um, should do him the, uh, the world of good this season. So couldn't um, go uh, do a list like this without putting a Willie Mullins horse in there. And I think this one has probably got the most potential of his young novices coming through the ranks. We've got another one to come on to in a second as well. And just looking through, I mean, also sixth in the Ballymore as well with Shan Blue for Dan Skelton, who's won yeah, his first two chase starts yeah. by... Yeah, by, by the, the way, yeah. It's the same form, isn't it? It's just, mm. And they've all won their novices chase and they've all been massively impressive as well, haven't they? They haven't just scrambled out and they've all battered good horses as well. You know, the, the Envoy Allen beat a decent field. Uh, easy work had to beat another um, good horse. I think it was one of Jezo O'Brien's on the day. So it's it's... You know, but I say Envoy Allen's like four to one favourite to win the, the Marsh Chase or whatever, but you can still get a decent prize about the big getaway for the RSA Chase, and I reckon that's the race he'll go in. Very interesting. One to keep an eye on for when the big getaway gets an entry uh, and runs first time out over the bigger obstacles. Uh, now on to Ed's second pick, and we'll talk about a Willie Mullins hurdler. Um, Alexa Danay, who's also got some fine some form behind Envoy Allen. Yeah, indeed. I mean, whereas uh, Andy's been rightfully flagging up the the Ballymore form lines, has been concentrating on the Supreme form lines, and this is another one. Obviously, fit on the roof. We mentioned he ran below par in the Supreme. Alexa Danay, uh, fascinating, really, because going back to this time last year, I was digging out the the, the preseason quotes from Willie Mullins, in which he thought he'd have a very useful staying novice hurdler on his hands. That was the Mm. The, the kind of lines about him and they clearly were thinking that way because you're running over two six two and a half but he was just far too keen he would be pulling the jockey's arms out for half those races and I remember on the eve of the festival said there'd been a big discussion they're going to drop him back to two and just almost let him go and watching that Supreme Novice Hurdle back again uh, all the talk in the aftermath was all about Captain Guinness it appeared and how Captain Guinness crashed out and got brought down and there was I mean there was absolute bumper carts wasn't there as, mm. as the race warmed up in the final with three to go, with a steering for long, you start to dive violently right at all these obstacles, causing absolute carnage. And all we appeared to hear in the aftermath was about how unlucky Captain Guinness was. Well, watching that race back again, I think Alexa Dene is going just as well as anything in the field, including Abracadabras at the time when he gets absolutely knocked sideways and, and taken out. And um, he's going over fences. He's 33 to 1 for the Arkle. And I, I always thought he's really interesting. He's ended up at two miles at the weekend on Sunday, I think it mm. is, a novice chase at Navan. And again, he, if you look at him 
in the paddock. He's got the size and scope to, to be a proper chaser. And of course, he doesn't always quite translate to that. But uh, as uh, Alistair Down says, he says he's just more of a horse to get in the way of the fence when you get that big. And <laughs> I kind of know what he means. But that he's clearly not devoid of pace because he was running the best race he'd run all season at the point of his departure in the Supreme. He's a quirky sort, but again, he's 33 to 1 for the Arca. He dots up on Sunday in a, in a five runner novice chase and suddenly. Uh, you know, the kind of anti-post bandwagon starts to build, doesn't it? But I just thought a lot of the talk was about Captain Guinness and perhaps Lexadena was overlooked. And I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if he improved for offence. And as I said, he's a quirky sort, clearly not devoid of pace. I think two miles would be his trip. In fact, he's ended over two for his chase debut. Uh, kind of makes me think they put the staying idea on hold for now until they need a reason otherwise, if you see what I'm saying. And mm. um, yeah, again, he's a 33 to one shot. And uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised if his price headed south with a, a nice performance on Chase Davey. Another 33 to 1 shot there um, for Ed. And I always think when you've got horses who, especially in kind of that kind of company, who run well and fall, and sometimes it's not factored into their prices going forward because, you know, the form reads 2.5F, but actually the reality of that F is a far better run than. Um, you know, that you have to kind of dig into as well. So the big getaway is uh, Ed's second one and 33 to one for the Arkle, as he mentioned. And yeah, Alexa Dene is entered on Sunday um, for Chase debut at, uh, at Navin. So keep an eye out there, the 145 at Navin. I reckon when most people have a flutter, they use the same old bookies every time. But how do you know if you're getting good odds? Odds checker, that's how. At Odds Checker, you can compare the odds from major bookmakers, get tips from the experts, and place your bets all in one place. Whether it's your Saturday Acker or a first goal scorer hunch, choose our best odds and get brilliant returns. Odds Checker, your one stop betting hub. Download the app now. Play responsibly. Uh, Andy, on to you next. And as I mentioned, we've got a few interesting. Um, novice hurdlers now and we'll stick with the Willie Mullins team for a filly with um, form figures of one, one, one. She wears it well. She does wear it well, yeah. I, I think um, this is the one I'm probably most excited about. Um, I, I think most UK punters would have probably seen her just, just the ones because her two uh, a bumper win and a um, Sligo Novice Hurdle win don't really amount to a great deal, and they took part in the sort of summer jumping campaign. Um, but on the day when this mare won at um, Tipperary, we had, we had a good marker with how good um, she could be, or certainly us time figure buffs had a good marker because it was on the same day when Saint Roy, uh, Saint Roy, sorry, won um, the Grade uh, Three Hurdle. I think I'm not sure what it was the Grimes Hurdle. Um, so obviously two races over two miles, two class classy races. And I put the clock on both of these two from when they jumped the um, hurdle in front of the stands all the way around to the finish line. And she wears it well, absolutely slaughtered St. Roy and never came off the bridle to, to do so. And I was like, wow, this is some machine. Um, how good she could be, I don't know. Whether she stays in her own lane, I don't know. She, she'll definitely, if she does stay in her own lane, you, then might as well give her the... Um, novice mares race he's yeah. that good I've got a sneaky feeling they might try and dip their toe in and run her against the boys in the um, up and coming Royal Bond in, in, in Fairy House in a couple of weeks time she's going to face a good field that to, uh, in that race because another one of the horses I could have put in this list is potentially going to run in that was called Bally Adam 
Gigging Stanstud, mm. uh, not Gigging Stanstud, um, Shively Park Horse, who um, got beat on debut in a bumper at Navan and then has won twice since in, in, in a bumper at Down Wall and then um, over hurdles on debut the day and clocked a very good time. So she's going to face some stern opposition, but uh, if my time figure or my stopwatch hasn't broken, and if you compare her to what she did against St. Roy, and we know what St. Roy's capable of, as we saw in the Morgiani, that I was arguably a little bit unlucky not to beat Abracadabra, then I do think this is potentially a grade one horse. Um, I, I'll, be, I'll be amazed if she doesn't make the grade. You can actually get 25 to 1 for the Supreme Novices Hurdle, which is yeah. very tempting. If she does win the Raw Bond, everyone will be all of a sudden looking, thinking, oh my God, because uh, Bally Adams' favourite. And I, th- I reckon there won't be much between these two in, in, in when the betting comes out for the Morgiana. I think it'd be sort of six to four the one, seven to four the other. Um, I'd love to know that sort of preview or get the inside information to know which route they're going to go down. But the fact that she's in the Royal Bond certainly suggests to me that they are thinking big with this fitly. Um, so, so, yeah. Because uh, it was a toss-up between Bally Adam and She Wears It Well, but She Wears It Well has done the numbers and I think she, she could have the measure of... Uh, Quite a few, quite a few of the boys um, during the rest of the season. She wears it well, six to one for the mayor's novice, twenty-five to one for the supreme. You probably can't go too far wrong, kind of dutching estates between the two. I wouldn't have thought. I mean, if well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of firms do a contingency bet now, where you can yeah. back a horse to win it at the festival race. If if you was to get it split down the middle, let's say you were offered ten or twelve to one, you, then you haven't got to worry, have you? No. Um, you know, she gets beat in the in the in the uh, raw bond. You've got you've got a nice price for the mares because they'll probably go down that route. And then if she wins, you've all right, you've lost out on the on the bigger price, but you, you've still got a fair bet because I think she'll be favoured if she wins the Royal Bond. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing her next week. See what she can do. I hope she I hope she doesn't let me down. The time <laughs> the clock says she won't let me down. And I, I always um always believe in the numbers. I can tell when you're excited by a horse, Andy, and she has well, certainly has that twinkle in your eye. Um, Ed, now for your third pick, um, a horse who's never been out of the three in his 11 starts and finished second in the Supreme back in 2019, Thomas Darby. Yeah, I've gone for a left of field selection here uh, with the, the Stayers Herder in mind. He's currently trading at 80 to 1. And, and he just listened to Ollie Murphy's comments, essentially, where they said, look, the horse just did not enjoy fences after a very good novice hurdle season. It has to be said, as you mentioned, when placed in the when placed in the supreme things, mm. it just the horse just did not take to the big obstacles at all. So they kind of rerouted over hurdles, and he won a nice pot over two and a half at Ascot back in January on very soft ground off top weight. That was a decent performance, giving away a lot of weight to some decent types that day. But galloped on in the closing stages, uh, underperformed at Fontwell. I think that race came too quick, and then obviously, uh, was put away type of thing. Now, came back recently at Aintree, and I, I was really impressed with the reappearance. The horse was a massive drifter in the market beforehand, and I was trying to work out why. Well, then I'd, I'd missed the interview with Ollie Murphy 10 minutes before, basically said this, that the horse would definitely need the run today, which is why I think it appeared that there was a bit of a late-minute walk. And nonetheless, he still quitted himself really well. I was in there pitching at the closing stage, and Ollie Murphy said, words to the effect of, look, we're getting him right today, then we're going to step him up to three, the long walk at Christmas at Ascot, of course, which he's got very good form at. And we're kind of test the water. And I, I just wonder whether he is totally unexposed to over hurdles. And he's shaping more and more like a stare. In his early days, he was very keen. He was quite headstrong. And I think that almost forced them to the two-mile route, if you like. As he's getting older and as, as he's starting to relax, he's conserving his energy a bit more over longer trips. And 
again, it, it's a totally left field one, and you've got to take it a little bit of a pinch of salt. But I also respect the fact uh, Ollie Murphy, a lot of his horses have been coming on for their reappearance. He pretty much flanged up the horse will need his reappearance, his, his first run in, in eight months or whatever. And they've clearly got this aim in their mind that they will go up over the three-mile route. And if he goes to Ascot uh, and takes a listener, got Oscar next month and kind of, you know, at least gives him a race to think about and comes home in his postcode, it, every horse has his price. And I'm just looking for something outside the top four or five of the protagonists, your side of Burleys, your McFabulouses, your Paisley Parks. There often is something that comes from somewhere. And I was mm. going through the list, and I just thought so many horses in there that literally either got no intention of ever going near, near a stairs hurdle, priced up at 33 to 1, for example. Yet you've got the trainer saying, we're going to see if he can make up to a stairs hurdle candidate, trading at 80s. Now, whether he's good enough or not, we don't know. But official figures only leave him about 8, 10 pound behind, which isn't a great deal, really, if he improves four step up in trip. So... Again, it was a it was a price dependent selectionist in the fact that he is 80s, and if he can ruffle up this Nagar Oscar, whoever else turns up to Ascot a couple of days before Christmas, again, uh, that will kind of confirm their thoughts that perhaps is the route we will continue to go down. But um, there are some really exciting horses in that in that three mile division. Obviously, long term fancy side of Burley that's obviously got all the Cheltenham form in the world in mm. the book and made a really pleasing comeback recently, but. Um, Again, the horse that's ten times the price. The train seems to be aiming that way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw a dart at him because I wouldn't be at all shocked if he ran a big race at Ascot next month. Andy, let's bring you in there because, as as kind of Ed mentioned, you got Cider Ballet in there as well. These are all horses that you'll know a lot about. Um, what are your thoughts on that? One horse race, isn't it, boys? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I must admit, I was absolutely dumbfounded that Cider uh, Burlake managed to win over two and a half miles. He, he rather took me aback. It just shows you how good he is and how good that um, stays hurdle, uh, that uh, Per Temps final, that uh, four miles. They, they, they almost should have put them the other way around and put the title of the Per Temps final on the stays hurdle and the stays hurdle on the Per Temps because the quicker race by by about 30 lengths was the handicap. Um, and as we've seen so far, the, the frailties and the brittleness of that stays hurdle has been very much borne out. The fact that Ronald Pump, who was second in the stays hurdle, was he was going to be battered by Sir de Burley when he fell at the last of the day at Nevin. And that was over two and a half. If ever he was going to beat Sir de Burley, that was his chance first time out when Sir de Burley was going to be a bit rusty. But I love the way he travelled and I love the way he stayed on him. You know, he, he doesn't do a lot when he's in front side of Burley. He's never going to go and win 10 lengths and he, he's, you're never going to think, oh God, wow, impressive that was. He always does enough. But there's always loads left under the bonnet. I've been on the receiving end of side of Burley twice at Cheltenham. He's an absolute nightmare of a horse. He's off the bridle at the top of the hill. All of a sudden, he comes back on it again. And then before you know it, he's like, he's literally like laughing at them, saying, well, where, where's everyone else? He's got an incredible engine. Um, and I, I just can't see him getting beat all the way through the season. And I don't see a horse in England good enough to beat him. At the moment, he's, I don't know where they are in Ireland. If they, if they are, they're underneath a rock somewhere. Um, I still think he's an amazing pro. I don't think he's got the credit for what he did the other day or for what he did at Sheldon. It's as if, I've been banging this drum for like so, so, so long. And no, I'm almost talking to myself because I think I, I think he should be a very short price favourite. I, I, I do respect Paisley Park. You know, I'd, I'd be foolish to write him off completely. But I think he's the only one capable of a wow moment. Um, Andy, uh, I mean, I'm just looking through. But fabulous is the one big question mark horse, I suppose. You've got the potential to jump, jump 10, 12 pounds. Yeah, but he could, yeah, he could still be, you put him into the, 
it could be anything category. But look, he only beat Corton Bold in then Corton Bold, let's face it, with the greatest effect to him, he's a a, a, a a decent summer jumping horse, at, at, you know, and probably, you know, an overrated one on an inflated 145 horse. Um, his number was okay, Chapster, but he's got to go and do it. He's got to go and do it at Charlem. He's got to do it on soft ground. He's an easy moving horse. I don't think he's the type of horse that will slog his way through soft ground. If he got what Charlem had last year, um, he, he wouldn't handle it. Whereas Side of Burley, he's one on good, he's one on heavy. He's just got everything. Look, I've, you know, I've, I've waxed lyrical about this horse enough. I'd probably have to leave the country if he didn't win the stage. Really. <laughs> so you, at least you'd, you'd have to get a picture of him behind you in the, in the room, wouldn't you? I don't, I don't I've, got, I've, got, I've got a few spaces around there, and, and Side of Burley is <laughs> definitely going to be wedged, uh, wedged in amongst them. Fingers crossed that as of March onwards next year for all of these podcasts, there's a picture of Cider Burley behind your head, Andy. Um, it feels like you've just given us one of your five to follow, but you haven't. So we're staying with you now. Um, I mean, he was, as we say, he was on your, your initial list before we thought maybe you had to think outside the box a bit. Um, next up is a horse who's probably the best named horse in training in Holy Macaponi for uh, for Henry de Bromhead, who won a maiden hurdle last week at Punchstown very impressively and knowing you Andy I'm guessing the clock agreed very much so George yeah again another one that a little bit under the radar just the one run one win um he he won a point to point um fairly comfortably but those point to points don't really amount to a great deal it's only what they do on the track of course which um tells you what we need to know about him but it was a it was a good good race of some good um well fancied horse in that um Willie Mullins favourite, um, I can't remember its name now, um, ended up finishing second, got well beat. But I love the way this horse just ground out a result. He re- reminded me very much, before they came household, names of Minella Rindo and, and Monoli. Um, that kind of horse, obviously it's with the same colours, the horse with the same colours, so you could tend to think like that anyway, but he's just built like them. He looks a chaser. And I think if I had to nominate him now, I'm trying to split my three novice hurdlers apart here. Um, I hope she wears it well, stays down the two-mile route. And I'm hoping this horse goes up to the Albert Bartlett route because my fourth, fourth, fifth choice, I'm hoping it'll be somewhere in between in the two-and-a-half-mile route. Um, but he looks all stamina. I'd, I'd suggest the Albert Bartlett would be his race now. Um, but his time figure is the best we've got to, I've got so far this season um, in, in the novice hurdle ranks. Um, so a very exciting horse, trained by... A guy which I always have a huge amount of time for, particularly when it comes to the Cheltenham Festival. Um, he always has at least two, three winners there every year. Mm. And hopefully, hopefully, Holy Macaponi can be um, another one, in, another one for him in, in that uh, division. I'm not sure what price he is for the Albert Barlett, but um, it, he'd be an interesting horse to um, stay on the right side of. He, he's twenty to one for the race at the moment, and it, it's one of those difficult conundrums where. You know, you're backing a horse that's only had one run over in Ireland, and the twenty to one for a novice hurdle race in November doesn't seem overly generous. But then, at the same time, I mean, anybody who's who's watching this or listening to this for the first time, um, you know, Andy's record with these races is is pretty phenomenal, given you know the reliance on what you can learn from from the times themselves. I mean, would you be interested in that twenties, or would you want to sit tight and, and and kind of see how the season develops? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I trust my own judgment. And obviously, the clock's telling me he's a good horse. Um, and he can run very fast for a two and a half miles. He's obviously got to go and do that now, but in a better grade. I think I think they've nominated a, a grade two over two and a half miles for him next at Navan, and that tells us a, a little bit more about him. Um, 
you know, whether 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 he ends up being just a, a down that two and a half miler, I don't know. Monolee's always been in and around that category for me. He's never really quite looked as though he's an absolute died in the wall three miler, or but he's good running the Gold Cup last year. I'd, I'd take that on board, but he's always looked to me like he's got more speed than he has stamina. And and with I'd need another run with this horse to tell me whether he is a three miler or, or or two and a half is about as far as he wants to go, but. He run he run really fast for two and a half miles first time off the shelf, and he's the three mile point to point winner. So uh, he's not going to be short stamina either. Very interesting one to keep an eye on. Uh, next for Ed is a horse who I think everybody who's interested in national hunt racing is desperate to see his reappearance in Fakir Duderi's, of course, second in the Arkle behind put the kettle on miles clear of Rouge Viv, and that form looks very interesting indeed. Oh, yeah, spot on. That was my first point, really. Sorry, sorry. No, 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 you're quite, you're quite right. You saved me rattling on. But the uh, we, we mentioned the Ballymore house. That that form has worked out pretty much the best of any festival race. The uh, the article's not looking too shabby at all now, is mm. it? Uh, good performance from put the kettle on on ground. She didn't particularly enjoy it. Rouge Vif absolutely hacked up off one, five, six in a handicap. So I think that form's pretty strong. And in some ways, he's a little bit forgotten, Fakir Duderi. And mm. So I see he's entered over two miles at the weekend. But the interesting angle I was coming through here was with the trip in mind. And he's 20 to one for the Ryanair chase. I just think that could end up being his, his natural race. I know he's over two at the weekend, but listen to Jose O'Brien's quote saying, I think he'd sign the intermediate trip to go into... Uh, we'll run here and probably head to the John Durkin in three weeks, which is obviously stepping back up to two and a half miles. And the, only, the one time he has run over two and a half miles, he won a grade one when he won the Drimble. Okay, you can argue perhaps got a little bit lucky when Sam Crow tipped up, but nonetheless was in the process of running a, a huge race at the time of that horse's departure. And I, I, I just think he, he, every race I've seen him over the minimum trip, even going back to his Supreme run, he almost hits a flat spot and then gets going far too late. And not to quite an extravagant extent, but that almost happened a little bit against uh, Put the Kettle on in the Arkle. The, I thought coming to the last, I thought Put the Kettle on was just going to power clear and go away. And again, he almost hits a little bit of a flat spot, jumped while it, you kind of jumped and then picked up again and did, to, to his credit, go up the hill pretty well. I, look, I think two and a half miles is definitely going to be his trip. Jose O'Brien seems to be indicating they're going to go for that happy, kind of happy hunting ground, like the, uh, the Imperial Aura route of Ireland, if you like, shall we mm. say. And, I'd be surprised. I noticed he has been given a King George entry. I'd be shocked if they went the three-mile route three so miles, soon. Yeah. yeah, too soon in season. And I think stretching out three and a quarter in just three and a half months' time for the Gold Cup is probably extremely unlikely. There is every opportunity, of course, they could stick to the two-mile route, especially if the horse comes out, bolts up over to it the weekend. And given that connections have got definitely the soy, who has now started to disappoint a little bit, uh, they may, the McManus team may kind of shuffle the pack and revisit plans. But if I've ever seen a horse I thought would be natural for two and a half at Charlton, this is a horse that I think is full figures at Charlton are one, four, and two, including, you know, places the grey one at the Charlton Festival. The, the track clearly holds no fears. Soft ground holds no fears, uh, which is almost the norm at the festival, it seems, these days. And I would just like to see him up in trip. So put it this way, if he gets turned over at short price this weekend of a two, I wouldn't be disheartened. And if anything, that would uh, validate the claims that he should go up in trip and would probably force me to go in again for the Ryanair chase uh, uh, as an anti-post wager because, uh, yeah, I just think two and a half will be his kind of niche trip. He enjoys the track and um, I, I look forward to seeing him. He's got some very smart form last season. He convincingly beat Mellon. Obviously, he won the Drinmore and was just touched off by put the kettle on the Arkle and seems to be kind of bubbling under a little bit, a little bit forgotten in a lot mm. of the uh, 
the kind of anti-post discussions. But yeah, Fakir Dudo Reef for Joseph O'Brien, uh, Ryanair Chase would uh, be my tip there. Andy, what do you make of that article form? Yeah, tremendous. I mean, I, I put a, put the kettle on. Um, I think it was that, in that period when we were in lockdown, I did those anti-post um, uh, previews uh, way in advance, basically, because I, I was trying to fill a bit of time and obviously give some column inches to to everyone when when we were all had nothing to look at. Mm. Um, so I spent a hell of a lot of time, a hell of a lot of research, going back through all the Cheltenham races. And um, I thought put the kettle on was... was uh, as, as Ed's already said, kind of like the, for, the forgotten horse, it was the forgotten race, but the, the time figure, the ARCA was very good. Um, so I thought 25 to 1 for put the kettle on at the time was, was an insult. Uh, and given the subsequent exploits of not only her, but all those ones in behind, like Fakadir, well, not, not Fakadiris, but, but Bruce Vif and, and several others in the race, it, it's looking um, a race where people perhaps ought to take a little bit more notice and give it a bit more respect. Uh, but I certainly do rate uh, Fakaduduris. Um, I think the only reason he ran in the arc last year is because it was heavy, and they 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 thought, well, two and a half miles and heavy at this stage of his career, not necessarily, but we'll 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 take a chance that his stamina comes through. And if he hadn't made that bad mistake mm. at a crucial moment, I think he probably would have won the arc. Mm. Um, I don't think they'll go down the arc route this year. I think they'll draw. I think that they'll they'll go over two and a half miles. He's going to be running against the likes of Sam Crow, Mellon, and Fahin and all those horses that took part, of course, in the Marsh chase. So that, that division is uh, in safe hands. It's, very, it's a very competitive division. And then you chuck in Imperial Law and simply the bets. And I think we're going to have a, a genuine good two and a half mile uh, category this year. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's also I've always liked, ever since he won, he's, uh, he's made hurdle at Cork and he clocked a big number. And I, I tipped him for the um, <coughs> Supreme Novices hurdle. Um, he's also he's, he's I've always got a bit of time for. He's always, he's always clocked very good times. Interesting. Um... We're getting on to the final picks now for the horses to follow. And uh, Andy, your last one. I mean, the last horse you spoke about was a Henry de Bromhead maiden hurdler who had made an impressive start to their career over hurdles. And rinse and repeat for this one, irascible. Yeah, this, this is the one that I don't think many UK punters who are going to tune into this podcast, in, including Ed. I, I think if he put his hand on his heart, he probably wouldn't have heard of irascible. He'll be remembering him probably the, the other side of Christmas. Uh, I think this horse has got an absolute shed load of talent. The day when he won at Fon Mill on his hurling debut, I, I, I literally couldn't believe where he came from to win. But the time figure he did was just sensational. And the, the back end sectional work was really good as well. Um, he, I like the way he finished his race off. He absolutely charged up the hill. It takes him getting that uphill run at Clonmel. He beat a companion horse called Decimation. I've got some really solid form going into the race. Um, and it's interesting that Henry de Bromhead got this horse in the Royal Bond um, in, an, in another week or so's time. So he's obviously clearly thinking that way, that this horse is a graded horse. And, and I, I'm pretty sure that he is already on the back of what I've got him doing. I think I'm hoping that this fella slots in between the three that I'm going to choose. I think she wears it well, stays in two, over two miles. I'm hoping Holly Macaponi goes up to three miles. And I've got this one right in the middle because he's one over two. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but I think he's probably looking more like a two and a half mile horse. Whether he's quite good to beat as she wears it well over, you know, in a strong run two miles on a flat track, I'd have my doubts. I think two and a half miles, I think you'll really see what this horse is about. Um, again, another Henry or Bromhead horse has got an absolute bundle of scope, loads of potential. He's in safe hands with Henry. 
in Henry we trust, as it were. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it, it's it was a toss toss of the coin really, which 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 one I left out, Bally Adam, uh, Irascible, she wears it well. But in the end, I went for one that everyone, like I say, everyone knows about Bally Adam. But I thought this one in particular was one of the the darkest one of the five that I've got. Irascible, no prices as of yet for the Ballymore. Goes alongside what Andy was saying about going under the radar, but maybe that won't be the case for too long. And you've made. You know, you made a pretty good case maybe for it for an early novice hurdle, Trixie at Cheltenham. Um, we're going to be having a proper Cheltenham anti-post podcast and video, I think, in about a month or so. So this is kind of a bit of a light one, I guess. And, and before we get on to Ed's final pick, we have a giveaway for the watchers of this uh, show on YouTube. Our friends at Timeform have given us three copies of their Horses to Follow book for the 2020-2021 jump season. And if you want one, just comment on the YouTube video below and we will select three winners at random. So you can get the Timeform Horses to Follow book. If you're watching this, that surely means you're interested in which horses to follow, as Ed and, as Ed and Andy are telling us now. So do comment below for your chance to win a free book from Timeform for their horses to follow as well. Ed, now this is the final one. And we saw Andy throw in a bit of a curveball there with, with Irrashable. And fair to say, you know... My notes here for your final selection, your darling, it just says expensive horse to follow. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. No, uh, yeah, you've got to, you make a good case in that sense, uh, uh, George. <laughs> uh, you go back to this horse's uh, debut in a bumper when he actually uh, wiped the floor with Flint Sassacro. It was a horse who went straight to everyone's notebooks, didn't it? Mm. Since then, the wheels have just come off in spectacular fashion, haven't they? Uh, it was pulled up. Uh, when sent off four to six on his next start uh, in a Warwick bumper. But that was the time when all Ben Pauling's horses had the big issues. I think it was it was a dodgy batch of hay was blamed, wasn't he? He shut the yard down for a month and uh, everything was just totally wrong there. So I can forgive that run. Then he made his uh, hurling debut at Huntingdon in October. Didn't run badly at all, I thought. Um, Cindy looked a bit stuffy, finished third. But the key run is last time out at Sandown. Anyone who saw that Sandown maiden hurdle, uh, the race was absolutely bonkers in the fact that he... Your darling had every other horse totally cooked, it would appear, as he turned into the home straight. Nico de Boinville had not moved the muscle, and then the horse just stopped in a hole. Um, if, if you stopped the race as they turned into the home straight and said, this horse should be beating 23 lengths, you'd think we were getting the, the races mixed up. Just totally emptied. And I was, like, flummoxed, really, on the back of that. Mm. I thought, what, what's going There's clearly something going wrong here. Now, I'm pleased in a way they've they've found the the ready-made uh, excuse if you like. Uh, Nico de Boinville got straight off and said there's, there's a the horse made a massive noise. There's clearly a problem with his wind. We've got to get something done. So he, he's going off for a wind operation. Uh, three quarters of that race, even 80% of that race, he looked a, a graded horse in the making. He he moved, he jumped well, he moved with class, he travelled, and then he just stopped. Uh, and the horse that beat him, I don't think it's bad, or won that race, isn't bad at all. Adramal, he, I believe he's going on to the Chalo Hurdle, the, uh, the Tom Lacey representative. But I was waiting for a handicap mark for this horse on the basis of that. Now, I was leaning around 130, and I thought the, the pooling team would be doing cartwheels with that. If he gets given 130, has his wind up, and they can prove. He's been given a mark of 117. Mm -hmm. I'm absolutely, I've spat my skinny mock all over the laptop, and I can't <laughs> believe this. If, if he lines up in a novice handicap hurdle, I'm I'd love, they've got options now, what they could do with this. I mean, it's almost too low for something like the bet for a hurdle, but mm. oh, crikey almighty. This Windop has done the trick. He's a stone plus well in on that. Clearly, he, the horse travelled like a good thing to last time and then just 
he clearly stopped like a horse who had an ailment, not a horse who was wanting through lack of ability. And you've got to, he is becoming a little bit of a horse you've got to forgive, but that he's just been running so well and then stopping. It, it's just become apparent to me now that there's, there's something preventing him from showing his best. Now, the wind operation, be it next time out or the time after, has its effect, and that does clear up the problem. Of, I'd be shocked if he's not any miles better than a horse in 117. I mean, Hem- Henrietta Knight, who sourced the horse, said, yeah, the most impressive horse she'd ever picked up at the sales, for whatever that's worth. But he's clearly a horse who's an expensive purchase, clearly got a lot of ability. The way he won his, his bumper against Flinter Sacra, I think, was he about second or third favourite for the Supreme Novices at the mm. moment, Flinter Sacra, isn't he? Uh, the way he travelled through that race and won that bumper, he looked like a really, really top prospect. And I just think it, his breathing's been preventing him from showing his best. And oh, I just cannot for life me believe he's been given 117. So I will be keeping really close eye on what they do with him, whether they go over the novice route again or that's what I immediately thought. I thought perhaps they'll go for the uh there's that good novice hurdle uh, uh at Kempton on the twenty seventh, I think it is uh it's mm. been one by some decent horse earlier. Mr. Fisher won it a couple of years ago and uh Mr. Cat fits and things, but I think they've got to go down the handicap route off that mark now. So he's not one with Charlton in mind. I mean, he could end up being a real left of field selection. I think he's about was he about sixty sixties for the Supreme. He, he could kind of move into that class in time, mm. but in the more immediate future, yeah, your darling, uh, whenever he's in a handicap, I'm going to have to have a serious look. Your darling, SPs of 92, 4 to 6, 15 to 8, and 7 to 4. Now, whilst the performances may not have uh, justified those starting prices, often when horses are going off that short, it might mean that something is amiss. And I think Ed there has maybe explained why, and off a mark of 117, an interesting one to keep a good close eye on ahead of some handicaps uh, that brings us to an end of the odds checker horses to follow podcast and video uh, please do subscribe to our youtube channel if you want to watch these or find these podcasts on uh, any podcast platform i think we have about six scheduled over the coming weeks uh, so do keep an eye out there for plenty of racing content and others i'm just going to quickly run through each of your five horses now andy uh, had imperial aura Holy Macaponi, the big getaway. She wears it well and irascible. Ed pitching for Fiddler on the Roof, Elixir Daney, uh, Thomas Darby, Fakir Duderis, and your darling. So 10 horses there to put into your notebook and a couple of other mentions for one that, ones that Andy has already tipped. So thank you guys very much for taking the time to speak to us today and looking forward to speaking again soon. Great.